Hello there, friends. This is Kelly. Just a quick heads up before we get into today's episode. We had some internet difficulties, so there will be a small jump around the four-minute mark, and there's also some reverb that you'll hear periodically. And in an effort to protect people's privacy, you will hear bleeps throughout the talk. There's nothing wrong with your audio, just some precautionary measures. And now, on to the show. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Atypical Behavior Analyst, your place in space to hear conversational information about the science of behavior analysis. I am your host, Kelly, and welcome to this special release, episode 31. But before we begin, let's go over some quick housekeeping. We are ACE approved, so if you're listening for continuing education units, jot down the two key words you'll hear interspersed during the talk, and then take those over to our website, atypicalba.com. There you can purchase CEUs for $8. Also, spend some time cruising around the site, and you'll find additional resources and more information about each of our guests. Next, if you'd like to stay up to date with upcoming talks and live events, you can find, subscribe, and chat with us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Our live events are a fantastic time to hang out, learn, and interact directly with our guests. So reach out and say hi on social media. We'd love to connect with our listeners. Lastly, stay tuned after the talk for a preview clip from episode 32. And now on to episode 31. Picture this. You're a student in a classroom. The letters and numbers on the paper shift and move. The lights aren't just too bright, they're also way too loud. And one of your classmates has apparently changed her shampoo and that's all that you can smell now. So with all these stimuli, what's a learner to do? Many of the individuals that we work with experience the world in a vastly different way than their able-bodied and neurotypical peers. In this live talk, we have the privilege to listen to Rebecca as she tells her story of living with sensory, auditory, and speech-language processing disorders, ADHD, and dyspraxia. Her firsthand experience while going through the education system, employment, and life is an important lesson in perspective taking. So grab your favorite writing implements and buckle in for episode 31, Feeling Alien in Your Own World with Rebecca H. All right, so welcome to the Atypical Behavior Analyst. Um, I'm Kelly Tate, and I am here today with Rebecca Henderson, and I'm extremely excited about this talk um, because it's it's something that we've kind of been developing over time, um, and Rebecca is wonderful enough to be brave and <laughs> be our first person to kind of take this step of, and to discuss, you know, what life was like for her growing up. Um, uh, having different diagnoses and going through the education system. Um, and, you know, it, it's really cool to see, she and I were talking beforehand, you know, the new generation coming up, but we also want to make sure that everybody is heard um, and that we're listening. And as we've seen, you know, individuals that went through special ed programs um, for the last, you know, the 90s through the 2000s or the aughts, if you will, um, there's a lot of feedback, um, some of it good some of it bad. And we need to take into account all of it because that's how feedback works. You can't just cherry pick, you know, we've got to be able to listen and hear from everybody. And then it's warranting a discussion. So feel free to utilize the chat for comments, questions. Um, you know, we'll have time at the end for additional, you know, comments and questions if you want to jump off your mic. But yeah, this is going to be good. Um, I'm going to stop talking now. And Rebecca, if you could, you know, introduce yourself and kind of tell us your story and a little bit about yourself, and then we'll jump in. Um, I'm Rebecca. Din. I'm currently 26 years old. Um, so I, want, I just want to start. So not much. There's not much. My story will tell who tell me who tell y'all who I am. Um, I was about two years old when my mom noticed I wasn't really speaking as I should have been. That was the first sign for her. Um, when she would ask me to what a color was, but on a crayon, she'd pick up a crayon, and say, "What color is this?" For every color, I would say yellow. When, I, when she would ask me, point to the green crayon, I could point to the green crayon. I knew what crayon she wanted, I just could not say the words. So she immediately got me into speech and occupational therapy because I was also struggling with my motor skills. Um, and then when I was four, my developmental pediatrician that I've been seeing since I was four diagnosed me with 88, well, I'm sorry, dyspraxia, the, the sensory integration issues, the auditory processing dis disorder, and the speech language disorder, the ADHD came later when I was, in when I was seven. Um, speech and occupational therapy, I don't remember much of them. I remember there were some bad things I didn't like and some things I did like. Um, 
I didn't like the computer games. They would have me play these computer games. And I surprisingly didn't, I did not like them. I don't remember why I, I didn't like them, but I didn't like them. Um, eventually I stopped doing speech therapy, occupational therapy, and I got into preschool and then pre-K and then kindergarten for pre-K and kindergarten through halfway through second grade. I was in public school system. I don't remember much of these. I remember a little bit. Um, I didn't have any friends, had no friends whatsoever. I was the outcast. Um, I usually played by myself. I didn't just didn't have any friends. I didn't, I didn't think I knew how to make, I knew how to make friends back then. Um, there we go. Um, I'm so sorry, y'all. It's fine. Like I said, it's Friday. We remain flexible. You can blame it on my excitement and my anxiety. I just got really amped up. It just, I break Internet it. Went, internet did not want to be on. So there you go. That's okay. So we will do our best. Um, and yeah, I'm going to mute myself again and fingers crossed that we can keep working. Otherwise we'll figure out scheduling things and eh, we'll go from there, but you have the floor again. Thank you. Um, I don't know where I left off. I left off on the, um, second grade, halfway through second grade, the public, I was, pub I was being mainstream at this point. I was in public school. They wanted to put me in with the slow kids. And my mom was like, nope. She ripped me out of that school and put me into school. Um, now I've gone through to several different special needs private schools throughout my schooling. Um, I always had to change because of bullying. It got, we got so bad that I was just, I could not concentrate on my schooling because I was being so bullied so badly. I would, I would have to switch schools. Um, so I went to school for a couple years and I met my best friend, Sydney at this point. She was probably really my only really friend. Um, and then, then Eliana came along. So I had some friends. I still wasn't the popular kid, but who is really, um, but I was still bullying. I was still being bullied. Um, then, then they, um, when I was at, they were, it was a, it was a North Star campus near my, near my house. So it was pretty, it was relatively close, but I could get there. Well, they decided to shut down that campus and sell it to another private school. And my mom was like, she, and the only, only campus they had was in Atlanta. And I lived in Marietta at this point, and there was no way my mom was driving me to school every day in Atlanta or get a bus. There was no way. So, um, so I went to, I can't think of the name now, which is um, one little, one little small, really small private school for a year. I, I did not like that private school. It just, it wasn't what I needed. So uh, my mom finally gave in and they, and go open up a bus system to getting into Atlanta from those areas around the surrounding suburbs. So that worked out well. So I would take a bus. And the cool thing about this house, this private school, it was in a mansion in an actual mansion. So I got to go to school in a mansion and I, I like school. Uh, my friend Sydney was Sydney was there. I met Eliana. So I had some friends. Um, so, but the, um, I liked school because I liked learning. So I, there were some teachers I didn't like. They didn't mesh well with me. Whenever I would go up to a teacher and because my ADHD, even I knew something had happened, I couldn't, t I would sometimes forget what happened in the moment. So I couldn't tell them exactly what happened and they wouldn't believe me. And so the bullying would just get to go on. And they finally shut down a mansion and, and then I went on to, and the was in an office building, and I had barely any friends there. Like um, I, I went there for a couple of years. No, so it wasn't Christmas. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember my schooling because I was so many different schooling. It's hard to remember all of it. Um, well, they shut down the mansion. I went, I think I went somewhere else for a year. And then I went, they opened up a new campus in Atlanta in an actual school building. So I went there for a few years. Um, and that's where I met. Now, it's the first bully that I really can remember. This kid did not like me. And, and then I got to remember, these were other special needs kids. So I felt, I felt like I didn't even fit in with them. So that, that was even more painful because they were like me, but they didn't like me. I'm like, what is going on here? 
Um, I remember one time we were in class and I don't remember what, something something in my class had upset me. So I had written a note to them and put on my desk and the teacher found that note and made me read the whole note out and everyone laughed at me, including the teacher. That's so painful going through. And that hurt. I don't think, I don't think you should ever laugh a kid like that ever. Like, I don't care how silly the thing they want an apology for is, you don't laugh at them. Cause that hurts. So I was in another class um, and I was walking back to my little desk area from this pencil sharpener and somehow actually tripped me and I fell, I fell hard. And I, I fell onto my friend Angie's um, little notebook on the floor. I'm so glad I didn't hit the desk because I was so close to hitting one of the desks. That would have hurt even more. And I told the teacher, and she's like, oh, you know, you just tripped on Angie's book. I'm sorry. No, Angie's book was what I fell onto. No, I'm, I'm sure I was walking right past him and he put his foot out and tripped me. And that, that hurt. Um, and another thing is bullies don't aren't the ones who get in trouble it's the kids who finally break and get that and they attack their bullies and then they get in trouble i've had that happen to me um i finally had enough and actually hit him and then the then i transferred and then i then i transferred because i was tired of this kid I, I did not want to be in school with him anymore um and it was, it was disrupting my schooling. So I had to get out of it for my own mental health. And I, my mom said, okay, we found. There's this one girl, I mean, I remember these are all special needs kids. So it's not, it's not me versus non people with needs. It's, it's all of them. It's very, very tiny. Um, she was a year older than me and she did not like me. And I, I didn't like her like there. And I was, I'm the sweetest kid, sweetest person you can find out there. I, I, and I know it's my social skills and me being probably speaking differently, maybe a little bit loud. Maybe I can be a little annoying, but I didn't deserve any of this, but I one that one isn't that sticks out in my mind. Um, it was an office building. So there was an office parking, parking lot and some of the kids who could drive um, parked in the parking lot. And so she was in one of the people's people's cars. Back of the car was like a like a little um, hatchback. It was a, it was a van. I don't know what call call those cars. It was it had a trunk. You could open up the trunk and sit in it. Um, I sat down on the pavement near all the kids because this is a very small school, so there's no one else to hang out with. I sat down on the pavement, and the first thing out of her mouth was, "You're not wanted here, Becca." that like crushed my heart so much to hear somebody else say that I I left and cried in in an over corner because I was heartbroken like I was trying to get these kids to like me and they just didn't like me and I was probably a very very naive person because I can't I still can't tell if someone's flirting with me or just being nice or or making fun of me like I struggle with that like I I picked up a cue of cues now and then but it's like I, I just don't know um, but that's not something that's more something I need to work on personally, something that society can fix for me because, but it's just something I don't pick up on. Um, they, people, I feel people could be more kind and understand there's people out there who don't pick up on body language or social cues, and we could be a little more understanding than we are currently. But they always can be, you can always work on yourself, you should try to figure them out, um, in your own little way. Um, so then after, I think I was there for like two and a half years, two, two years, I, I finally got, and I was, I was, um, ninth grade, almost 10th, 10th grade. And then for my last two years of schooling, I went to the Academy for special needs kids, um, special education. It's private, completely private. Um, I really liked, this was the first time I ever wore a uniform for schooling. And I feel like the uniform helps because you can't judge somebody based on their appearance, what they wear. And it's, and I love, love that. Um, I wasn't bullied as much. I'm so ostracized. This will try to make fun of me. Like, but I had, I had 
for first time I had an actual consistently good group of friends who protected me from the bully, the bullies. Actually, the only reason I know this is because my friends told me my nickname at they would talk to me behind talk about me behind my back was schizo, which is a stored version of schizophrenic. And I'm not schizophrenic. I don't have that diagnosis. And I was like, don't think I'm crazy. Like, I know I'm crazy, but I'm an awesome person. You should get to know me before you judge me. Um, and I, I accept myself now, but it took lots and lots of years of healing and going through that trauma. And really, it was not my fault. I, I didn't deserve any of it. And now I have a great support system. I'm loved. I, but for years, I struggled with low self-esteem because of what everyone else put me through. Um, but schooling, the schooling itself was great. I had the great supports. I know my, my situation was very unique in that my parents could afford to put me in private schools because it's expensive. There's, um, I've looked at a couple of private schools around here in case I ever have a kid who needs to be in private school for special needs. It's $32,000 per year. That's that's like insane. And this is not good. The teachers are putting their all into it, but they can only do so much. And with limited resources, you can't help every kid out there. We really need to get down to our local governments and our, our local committees, everything, and putting more funding in special education for, for public school students who cannot afford to be put in private school. We need to fix our public school education system for everybody because that will help I will help the special needs kids and, and, and everybody because, but we as people need to get, be getting out there and doing something about it because this is obviously an issue. The special education teachers have been telling us this, for, this is an issue for years. We need to listen to them and get down to fixing it or nothing else, nothing ever is going, ever going to change. That's how I feel about it. I'm sure very passionate about it. Um, so I finally graduated um, high school. I left a lot of friends behind and I went off to college. College was the first time I ever lived on my own. And I, me personally, I actually kicked my brother out of our shared bathroom because I did not like sharing a bathroom. I'm like, and I was lucky enough that I went to a smaller, probably a smaller school I've met some great professors. I've met some bad professors. Um, I'll go into that. Um, so my, fr my freshman year, I actually um, was in a freshman dorm. That was a shared dorm, but had a, it had a bathroom to itself, which is really nice. And then my roommate never showed up. So I got, I got to stay in a room over myself. So it works out well. Um, so the first night is the first night before classes and I, I've been talking about the sensory stuff. I, I'm not a big fan of loud noise. Like I hate thunder and lightning that that's like, I just, I can't stand thunder and lightning um, and fire alarms. Now fire alarms are so loud. They're ear piecing. I will actually cover my ears. Like I, I cover my ears. I could just, I just try to get outside as fast as possible. So I don't have to listen to it. This is the first night before classes and our fire alarm decides at 12 a.m. it's a great time to go off in the middle of the night. So it goes off. And the, and the counselors, the, the, the roommate, the, the older people who are in college who are living in the freshman dorms to take care of freshmen, all goes outside. And we're all in our pajamas, all outside in the, in the at, least it's, at least it's nice and warm. If it was cold, I'd be like, seriously? Um, and they call the fire department. They get the fire alarm shut off. And then at like 1 a.m., I'm finally falling back in sleep. 1 a.m. goes off again. So we're out there again in the middle of the night, the night before classes start for everybody. And I'm like, seriously? Um, this is not like, we could, can we fix fire alarms, please make them more sensory friendly? That would help. Um, so we're out there. And they can't get it off this time. It will not turn off. They finally get the sound off. So I'm in my bedroom. I'm in my bedroom, and I I can see flashing, 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 flashing light. And like, I think I finally fell asleep around 3 a.m. 
And I had like it, I think I had like an 8 15 morning class. I get up my class. I was kind of droggy. Like it was luckily our professor was understanding. But oh my God, can we fix fire alarms, please? Like this does not need to happen for for our for um kids. Cause like there even there's kids, uh, like my sensory issues are not as bad as let's say a kid who's um like way has way more issues than I do. But mine, mine are and the thing is, I'm also a sensory seeker. I'm I'm the funny, like, because I, I switch between sensory avoidant and sensory seeking. It's just, it's interesting. There's some, like, fabrics. There's some fabrics that I cannot tolerate on my skin. My mom and I were wedding dress shopping. Like, I'm, I'm getting married, so that's fun. Should tell everybody in August. Um, my mom and I were wedding dress shopping back in November. And we found this really gorgeous dress. Now, the dress had matched all up like all up here and up here and like, all over here it felt like there were fire ants crawling all over my skin it was and it was itchy and it was like it it did it was so terrible thing and I was like so uncomfortable with this dress like I love the look of it I just could not tolerate it for the whole day at my wedding I would want to rip it off it was like just no and then luckily I found a great dress that doesn't have a mesh so it's like really pretty and it's comfortable I just I can't do uncomfortable fabrics. There's some fabrics that I just like mesh. Like there's, I, I'm using my comfortable in, in cotton. And honestly, as an RBT, I really like being an RBT because I can wear more comfortable clothing like jeans and t-shirts and nice nitrogen nice or cotton shirts. So like, I like, it's probably a little bit influenced my career choice currently because it's, I'm working with kids and I love the kids. Oh, but I was also, I'll say like, when I went to college, um, I started out as an art, art, uh, art student. And so my dyspraxia comes in play here. I can't draw a straight line to, to save my life. Like I, I just can't. And the thing is, is my, my hand will shake. If I really try to write so neatly, other people read it, my hand will shake so bad that I, I just can't. Um, so I went through arts, art class. This wasn't for me. I was trying photography. It was just, it wasn't for me. Um, and then I switched to criminal justice and the criminal justice will always be a special interest of mine. I still watch true crime. I listen to true crime podcasts. I love to watch true crime shows. I, I study about the serial killers out there. Like I, it will always be a special interest for me at heart. But when I graduated, I just could not find something that would be suited for me in the police department. And it's super hard to get into, because I wanted to be either a forensic psychologist, because my minor's in psychology, I love studying psychology, or I wanted to be a crime investigator. And the thing is, there's not that many out there. It's super hard to get into. Well, um, I had taken an ABA course in college. Now, this teacher, I, I don't know if he was BSB or not, I'm assuming so. I'm so glad he wasn't working with kids, disabled kids. So I'm sitting in, it's my first day in this class and it's, it's like an auditorium. It goes like up like a Greek auditorium. It goes like up like this. And I'm in the back because I, I had to get special permission to type notes on my computer. He did not allow computers in his class. I had to get special permission. I was up and I was, I had my computer plugged in because it's only all was in the back row. And I get up, I give him my disability accommodation sheet that every disability student get disabled student gets at my college and I walk down give it to him I walk back up I'm settled back in ready to type for class he calls me down in front of everybody and sits me right in front of him and I was like uh what are you doing dude because me personally I will be I will tell you all about my disabilities I don't care if people think of me like I'm going to tell you I want I would rather find people who are understanding and know understand what I'm going through than people who are like what you're disabled like Ugh. so um that's always worked well for me so I'm all, I always explain what I have and so I'm not embarrassed by it. just who I am it's just I've had to learn to accept it um so I could not imagine if I was if I was like another student, another student who was super anxious and didn't want other people to know they had disabilities, and he calls them down in front of everybody to sit them in the front row, I'm sure that person that person would be mortified. 
Like you just, you just outed me. You could have said like, you could have waited till after class say, Hey, I want you in the front seat. This is a for front seat for the rest of the semester. Like, that's fine. Thank you for telling me with no one else there, but he decided to do first thing for class. Like, okay. And then, and class has gone on. This guy's been annoying. Um, I enjoyed the class. But he, like for the last 15 minutes of class, he would ramble on like random stuff. The only thing we had in common was we both liked horses. That was it. There was nothing else I had in common with this guy. Um, so he literally says accommodations are crutches for disabled people. And I was like, are you, what? No, 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 no. Accommodations help me to perform just like everybody else. I need, I need that time and a half in tests. I need more time to think. I need a little more time to process questions you ask me or just go a little slower if, I, if I'm having trouble processing it. Like those, those help me compared to everybody else. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And then I encounter his lab students. His lab students were grad students of his and we had to do a pigeon lab. Pigeon lab was fun on its own. Um, I named my bird Frank. He was such a Frank like this. He did not like working with me and my partner. Um, and my partner was a freshman guy who was afraid of birds. And we had to feed our, we had to feed our birds on like, seriously, dude. He was like, I just can't feed the bird. It's like, it's so scary. And it's like, it's flapping. I'm like, just feed the bird. You don't like, cause we had to weigh them. We had to weigh them to feed them, make sure they weren't fat. Um, so my first time I gave, I gave the grad students my disability support sheet and there was an instant switch they started talking to me like I was a child like like I was a little five-year-old I'm like what are you doing but that's not that's not appropriate that's not okay I I'm not a child don't treat me like one that's that's one thing people could stop doing stop because I know when we sometimes people think of disabilities they think of childhood disabilities like autism or like an ASU but it's not childhood it stays with you throughout your life it's it's always been something you always have it's just it is what it is there's not much you can do about it and there's medications there's treatments yes of course but it's they still grow and become adults so don't treat them like they're children treat them like they're adults and that that they age they are like yes there's some autistic kids out there who may like sesame street and they're they're 20 like yes give them give them what they like of course but don't treat them like they're child's children just Talk to them like you would talk to any other adult, even if they don't respond to you, even if they're if they use the AAC device or sign language or what, don't treat them like a child, because that's going to hurt them in the long term. Um, I don't care if they're, if they're non-speaking or non-verbal, just don't treat them like a child. It's just it's just an easy way, just easy thing to do. So, and then I talked to my disability support service lady. Um, I, re I, re I really liked her. She was really good. And actually, a year or so after I left, she retired. So I'm like, I'm so glad I had you when I had you because you retired. Um, I talked to her about it. And apparently, another disability support service kid, students, dropped the lab because he had the same thing happen to him. I was like, whoa. That kind of confirmed it for me, like, whoa, like you, you are trying to become ABA professionals and you treat someone who is disabled like a child. It's like, that ain't good. I don't think you need to be in this field. Um, so that was, that was probably unique to me. Maybe not. I don't, I don't know. But another thing is unique to me is all my disabilities. Like I have never met someone like me who has all of my disabilities. And I, I think they were such a unique combination. It's just, just I am unique. Um, if I do meet someone like that, I'd be like, cool, you have seen what I have. Like, that's awesome. Like, let's compare notes. Like, how does it affect you versus how it affects me? I would love to do that one day. So I, I graduate college. I, I struggled in college way more than I did in, in high school. College was hard. I didn't get the best grades as I did in high school. I, like high school, I graduated with 3.9 GPA. And I did fantastic in high school. And then I got to college and it was, it was like being thrown into a public school high school because it wasn't, and I had accommodations, yes. And I, I worked well and I worked hard. My last two years of college, I did fantastic. I got A's and B's. And I 
had the right coursework. I, I, I did it. I was awesome. But my going through art, like going, going up, I had to learn how to study correctly. Cause I, in, call, in high school, I was kind of floating by. I was not really studying. Like I, sometimes I don't, if I, you know the material I'm pretty good and like I said I study for a little bit I'm good but college or some courses I needed to study and actually do the work um I tr- I'm I'm the kind of person who can actually teach yourself math I love math I can do I taught myself how to do three variable three system equations with like so three, three system equations with three variables I know I can solve those I can still solve those I do those for fun sometimes um so I, I love that. Um, I was an honors algebra two, honors um, algebra trick. I, I love those classes. I love my teachers. Um, then I got to college and I thought I could teach myself college statistics. Cause I, I, I took an extra math course I could take this. I really wanted to take this. I'm very interested in it. And I was like, I failed that class. It's like, there's no way I could teach myself to do that. And so I, I finally took it in person with, with a professor. And I got an A. I love the course. He explained it so well that I absorbed it. I could, and I, I also realized I need to write the things. I, I didn't realize this until college. I need to write things down to have them to better memorize them. I didn't realize that because I can't, I mean, even if I can't read it over, I'm still memorizing it better when I'm writing it down rather than typing it. So if, when I, when I do get my master's, I will, I will have to write things down because it's just better for me. And it's, even if I can't read it over again, it's still there. And I remember it better. It's just interesting how that, how the brain works like that. So I get out of college. I fumble around for months. I'm, I'm trying to find a job. I don't know what I'm, don't know what I need to do, what, what I want to do in life. Um, so I finally get a job. Um, my first manager was awesome and she understood how to work with me because I'm the kind of person who's to, um, who's stubborn and doesn't like being told what to do. My mom can attest to this. I, I do not like being told, told what to do at all. And Stacey understood that. And so she would give suggestions or, Hey, can you do this for me, please? Like it, it wasn't like I had to do it. It was like, can you do it for me, please? And if, she, and then, and if she knew what was, I've, there was one time when I was so overwhelmed at the, almost the point of a meltdown. Like I was, it was having to have a good day at this point. Um, I was trying to make biscuits for the, for the, um, for the biscuits. Cause we have, it's maple syrup biscuit gummy and they're, they're so good. Biscuits are so good. I love them. And I, 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 I was so good at making them. So another, another, um, another coworker was trying to, we had a shredder cause we shred, we had to shred our, we had a huge stick of butter. We would shred the butter to put it in our biscuits. And it was also mixed for two. Well, he didn't put the shredder thing on properly. And, and I was trying, we were almost running biscuits. I was trying to make biscuits and it fell and it crashed. And I, I was in tears at this moment. Like I, I just could not use biscuit. And she understood that and sent me back dishes and someone else finished biscuits. I was so happy with her. And then, um, was bought out by because I was trying to expand in the the, bis, the breakfast industry so that was fun they and they changed things we used to not be open on Sundays I love because like I would go with an with the next boyfriend and go play some games and stuff at a game shop on Sundays and I can no longer do that because I'll be working all the time I'm working Saturday Sunday all the time it's like I hate this um and then because like and and the thing is said to us we're not going to change anything okay yeah no you are going to change things around here so fun and then pandemic came this was 2020 pandemic came i i just about quit in july i was done just done with this it was no one was wearing a mask and no one was doing it It was like i'm done i'm done Alrighty, cool kids. If you are listening for continuing education units, here is the first of your two key words. Your first word is kind. K-I-N-D. Be kind to each other. Kind. And and I wasn't getting it. I was barely getting any hours with that. I'm done. 
So I finally found a job in August at I I loved it. It's um I'm I still friends with the with manager the owner and um and it's in it was in Georgia, it was right right down from my from my house. It was awesome. And I loved it. And I got to meet so many different kids. Well now Angela has two autistic kids. Um and they were both getting ABA therapy combined with online schooling called we have Georgia Cyber Academy. So a lot of special needs kids will do online schooling through them. In fact, I have, I have a current client right now who does schooling like that. So I, I'm with him through the whole school day and it's in a clinic and it's, it's nice. It's nice consistent. I like that. It's very consistent. Um, and I just, I help, I help him focus. I redirect him if he's not paying attention. It's, it's really nice. Um, so that's how I was reintroduced into ABA was with she understood me and she was so accommodating and so understanding and we're still great friends and I love her kids. I, I miss these kids every day. Well, I um, finally knew I was going to do my life because I, I was swimming around and she gave me information to be an RBT. And then I found and and they had a two week class in person because I didn't want to do an online class. I just, it wasn't what I knew was, that's not how I was going to learn. I needed to do it in person. And I found this class and I met some great people. And actually I'm still friends with Hannah, who's also autistic. And I was like, and she wanted to be RBT. It was like, that's amazing. And, and I'm, I'm just able to, like, we're best, like we're great friends. And it finally comes down to, we're both certified and we're not getting cases and everybody else is. And we're like, what's going here? She left. I, I waited a little bit longer to think that I would get a case and be, it would be fine. She actually was like, these people aren't treating me good. They're treating me like a child. It's like, yeah, I, I can see that too. They are kind of be like, yeah, that's me too. Um, so she left for another job. Like we still friends with Facebook. Um, so I was like, okay, so I finally get two cases, but I wanted full-time hours. And like, I thought eventually I would become full-time. It was like, a, and, and I, and like, there's not enough clients. It's not enough hours for you. I'm sorry. I have to wait a little bit longer. We'll figure it out. And then they had the audacity to hire a guy on full-time hours. I'm like, um, hello, you have an RBQ asking for more hours here. I'm like, what are you doing? And I, I was fed up. I was fed up with this and I was dealing, we had, I had one kid who was three who had, he didn't have behaviors at first, but there were some, he liked throwing toys and we were trying to redirect him to, to only throw balls and dice. Like, so, and I was minimally working, but he would not sit at a table. He wouldn't do any work. Um, it was mostly him playing and, and playing is playing is good. We were teaching him some play skills, but behaviors started getting worse and worse and worse and he already had self-injurious behaviors he had scratches scratch like scars all over his body from scratching himself and he he actually eventually would bite you um i don't i don't think there was any hitting it was biting um and complete meltdowns most every session so i was like yeah this is not working out well and and there was other RBTs in his case. And we were trying to tell the BCAs this was not right for him. This ABA was not good for him. And they kept going, like, we were trying to tell you this is not the right, it's not right, the right therapy. But it's not always not going to work no matter what we do. Um, so my other case was a four-year-old. She was all, they were both non-speak, non-speaking, non-verbal. Um, and he was a little more, he was able to do table tasks. It was a little easier. But I was like, I want more hours. I wanted different place that, that pays more because I was only paying like I was only being, like 16 and then I found and they offered 23 like in more hours so I'm like yep that's and I I got that job and it was August August of 2021 so I've been there ever since and now since I'm getting married and I want to move in with my fiance and my fiance lives an hour from my parents' house. And that's so like, so there's, there's no way I could commute to my current job. So I finally found a new job. At 
and I'm showing that two weeks and I'm so excited. And that's, that's, yeah, I brought you all up current. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask. I'm willing to ask, answer any questions y'all have. Holy moly. You have lived more lives than I think pretty much anybody in this room right now. Um, it, it's amazing. Uh, but you know, the thing that really stuck out from this whole time that you were talking, um, that I'm very inspired by is, is your own acceptance of yourself, like being able, and I know you said it's taken a lot of work and everything, but that's something that, you know, I, I, we so desperately need to remember, like kids are sponges, um, and they just soak up whatever goes on around them, regardless if there's a disability or not, like kids are pretty observant. They might not be able to tact what's going on, but they are totally aware of what's happening in the environment. And so as you were talking about, like, you know, this teacher makes you read a, a note out loud and then, you know, fast forward, you know, 10 plus years later, this other teacher calls you down, like, holy, like, it's just trauma all over again. And it's little things like that, that can make us, you know, on the non-disabled side or non-diagnosed side, you know, it's ableist of us because we don't think of those things. We don't think about the long-term impact of if I call this kid out and humiliate them, mm -hmm. what is that going to do? Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, I really want, um, not really want, I, I, one of the things that I wanted you to talk a little bit more about was like, so looking at, the, the supports that helped and the supports that didn't. So you did mention mm -hmm. like you had some in, in um, college and everything, but like you had so school. many schools too that you had to go through till you found something. So mm -hmm. like with that process, um, what was it like for you? Cause I'm sure it was teachers want to go this direction. Oh yeah, we, we've got this. We know what her diagnoses are. We think we should teach it this way versus what did you really need to learn and want to learn? And like, was there a balance there? I loved all types, all kinds of subjects. I, I'm a visual slash, I like doing a hands-on. I like, I like seeing it and I like hearing it. So, and especially with my auditory processing disorders, I mishear things. Actually, I just, I just heard my mom, she asked for her flip-flops from her, from her suitcase. And I swear to God, she said lip gloss. So we do lip gloss for like, what? And it was like, I had to like, do you want your lip gloss? Okay, I went, flip-flops oh okay um so that I I liked having it in writing sometimes it was easy like if I I could see what the teacher was saying what I was going to say like that like that really helps like I put subtitles on because it helps you understand the the going on um I'm also with my I have also processing issues um so it's kind of like I have a normal it's like you think my brain is a computer like my brain the computer is fine it just takes a little bit longer to understand what you're saying. And especially if it's in a very loud environment with bevel conversations going on at the same time, I, you need to speak a little slower, understand, like say, like give, give me, give breaks in between speaking so I can understand, so I have time to process what you said. That really helps. Um, don't go so fast, like and writing fast. I would have, I had a, a, a chemistry teacher, um, who wrote so fast in the board and talked so fast, it was hard for me to keep up. Like I, I just, I cannot, I cannot keep up with it. So yes, there were definitely skills I wish I, um, like I wish I could have learned how to interact with people younger than I did. I didn't have all that many friends to help teach me. So the social skills, I wish I had learned much younger because it took it, like I said, it took years and years of work to me to get to a place where I can have friends and I'm in a relationship. I've obviously worked out well for me. It's just, there are some things I wish I had to learn younger. And I also wish I learned um, how to take better notes when I was younger, how to study better because I wasn't, I didn't have those study skills and that got kind of maybe inhibited me a little bit. Um, Kelly, you still there? I don't hear you. Oh yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> okay, sorry, just went away. It's weird. Um, trying to think. So like some things like that. Um, I also went through several failed relationships. I had my first boyfriend at 14, and he was not a good thing. Um, I didn't talk about um, 
when I was in college, I had another a boyfriend who was very toxic and abusive. So I've, I, I didn't talk about that because it's not something I like to talk about. Um, so I spent, I feel like I was inhibited by him a lot through my five years of college. I felt like I should have been going out more and he kept me in. So that, that didn't help. See, I didn't have those kind of, I didn't have those, I feel like if we had offered social skill classes when I was younger, my mom probably would put me in them because she understood my social issues, but we didn't have those. So even like the social skill classes, like um, finding places that offers it where they have like groups of kids like them who are trying to learn how to speak to people, what to say, what not to say, because I'm blunt. I've been told I'm rude a lot of times because I'm honest with you. I will tell you like it is like, and I, I don't mean to be rude. I'm just like, if you ask me, how's my dress look? I was like, and it doesn't look good on you. I will tell you, it doesn't look good on you. Like, I don't know. You want me to say like, it looks good. It's awesome. Like I'm, I'm, t- you want, you ask my opinion. You're going to get my opinion here. Um, unless, unless you typically tell me, Hey, I want, why don't you tell me a, help me it looks good but some people like I probably said appreciate honesty some people don't some people want you to lie to them so I'm like I don't know who wants me it's 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 hard um but the social skill classes are really great I um I reserved some because like my the gym I used to work at so it was also a century gym so it was it was built for century needs in mind um they had a social skill class and it was awesome and this lady went over with them and there's so there's things like that and I think those are really helpful. And sometimes it's just being in with people. Sometimes it's, it's trial and error. You just got to learn by yourself. It's just how it, how it goes. Um, but there should also, you should also tell the, tell the girls that people are sometimes going to be mean. And, and if they are, you need to go tell a grown up. you need to say, and you need to, and it's helpful for friends for, um, for if you have a disabled kid who's struggling with social skills, Find them kids who are like them, who are also struggling with social skills, because they'll they will find a friend in that person most likely, and they'll understand each other that another person won't be able want to be able to. So, that's what I recommend for them. Like, honestly, I think we should. I may do this if I have a special needs child one day. I may start a special needs friend group that we meet up every week at a park or something on a weekend, and we let our kids play together. And we include everybody. It doesn't matter what the special need is or they're in the wheelchair or what. I want to include everybody so they felt feel included. Because that's that's something that would have helped me too. Is that I never got invited to birthday parties. I wasn't included in going out, going to places. Barely was. I barely invited anywhere. And that hurt more than not having friends. It was saying to me that they did not want me there. And I feel like being... Oh yeah, COVID, I can see how it is too. Um, so keep keep looking. I'm sure once we get COVID on make more things will open up. So that that's what I what I um work out well. Just um and also having having finding your kid a special friend, someone who will always include them no matter what, and actually invite them to places. Make sure your kids are being invited to places. Cause even if, if you can't go for some reason or they have, maybe they're having a bad day, it still feels good that someone know, knew the thought about your kid and that you can tell them, hey, I know you're having a hard time right now. We're supposed to go to this thing, but they thought of you and we'll send some of our present or whatever. And then we'll find something else that we can do right now after. So it's parents need to be aware of this because. I actually eventually stopped telling mom about the bullies because it just there wasn't there was nothing she could do about it. She talked to schools; there's nothing they can do about it. There's nothing, and it's just so. And it's just like I was so vulnerable that I eventually just put up a shield, like a wall, like it's a wall around me, and it's. I've probably just in the last five years have recently let them come down and show that it I have had to do a lot of healing and stuff and I I trust people I used to not trust people like I didn't know they were my friends or like it means me 
and make it seem like they were they were my friends, but they're actually just being making fun of me. Like I didn't know. Um, so it's just it's there's lots of stuff we can do to make kids' lives better. And and if we see a kid having a hard time, finding a way to give them to therapy, someone they can talk to who will who will give them strategies to help deal with it because it it will affect their mental health. Like it will definitely help affect their mental health. Like it has me and I've. Like if I've gone through tough times where I, I didn't think I wanted to live anymore. Like it was, that was that bad. Cause there was, there was no support system. Like I, I, I want my kid to feel like they can come to me to anything. I don't care what happened. I want them to know that I will always be there for them. And I will, I will ask them, like, do you want, do you want support or do you want solutions or advice? Like I, I, I want, like sometimes kids, just, they just want to cry on your shoulder. That's all that matters. Sometimes they just want their other parent is there for them and supporting them. Sometimes like, yes, how, how do I fix it? Like, okay, I'll help you fix it. Like that's, I just don't think my mom was really equipped how to know how to deal with that because with my brother, he had friends. He was in main school schooling, some private schooling. Like he, he had, he had a, it was easier for him than it was for me. And sometimes after a long time, I was probably jealous of my brother because like my, when we would go, um, uh, my mom put us in this, this day summer camp. I, I still associate that place with horrible. I, I, that was what, that was actually worse than the schooling was. Cause that was with, that was with kids who were more, more normal than me who didn't have my disabilities. And so I was really ostracized there. Like I, I, it was, I, they did not like me. It was like, this was terrible. Um, so I feel so, and my, my mom would say, tell her to look out for me. And he's younger than me, two years younger than me. I'm like, I don't need, I don't need to look out for me, mom. Like, it's, it was a little annoying, but I understood why I have disabilities that I had. So it's just, it's a, it's a hard, I've gone through a lot of things and a lot of trauma. And it's just, and I've, I feel like I'm better prepared to have a special needs case because it's like it's genetically likely I will or maybe not I don't I don't know but if I do I'm I feel like I'm way more prepared than my mom is like I'm thankful for mom to getting me in to see my dermatologist when she said that she she saw the issues and she knew exactly what to do but there wasn't much she could do about the bullying other than switch schools and so when hmm, what's it when you're a weird kid, like I moved every three years and you shift schools and sometimes it works out well. Cause you're like, Oh man, you know, maybe I'll find somebody that's going to like me for me. And I don't have to. And then you get there and you're like, wow, they're all the same. And, and you hit something early on in your, in your talk too, about it's the second person that gets caught. And so it's, it's, you know, double punishment for you almost because, you know, you want to advocate, you want to stand up for yourself. Like he tripped me he hurt my feelings and I'm the one getting in trouble for standing up for myself, for telling you about my emotions. I mean, Hey, on the plus side, you didn't slap him. I mean, I would have been, I mean, my reaction. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things I think is like educators and teachers, practitioners, you know, whatever position you're in is to be aware watch what's going on and really, you know, try to look at the dynamics because even though these are younger humans, um, we're still humans and we're all still learning. And, and again, it's very, they're sponges. It's, you know, there's a lot of development going on and a lot of these like core foundational things and behaviors, feelings and validation kind of emerge in this time frame. And so if we ignore that and it's like, oh, well, you'll just need to get over that. I've just discounted your feelings. I've given you a giant middle finger. And then on top of that, your peers are also doing that to you as well. And, and yeah, it's, I mean, thank you so much for being brave and talking about, you know, feeling that discomfort of like, I don't know if I want to be on this planet anymore because I just want to talk about one more thing, Kelly. Oh, go for it. Um, my, when my parents moved years ago, we actually moved next door to our neighbors have two sons with, so schizoaffective disorder and actually cried when we moved in because people would actually call the police on her son because I, I, I waved it down. Like I, I say, Hey, Hey, how are you doing? Like, uh, kind of stuff. And he doesn't answer me. Like I, I still acknowledge him when I see him out and about and 
people would all call him policeman because he he has um, dreadlocks. So he's he's not the most upkept person. He's wander he's just like you wander around having a nice day. People call police on him all the time. And Marion literally cried that my mom understood what he was going through because having having me. And I think we need to be way more understanding of people with disabilities than we are currently. And that's that's something that also stuck out to me that she actually cried that she she had a neighbor who understood what her son was going through. Because they were they were finan they were they're both financially stable and have both good jobs. They just can't live by themselves. They just they need that emotional support their parents have. And I'm and they're older. I'm like, I what are y'all gonna do when you pass away? I'm like, that that must be scary. There's a lot, there's are a lot of people out there, parents out there who worry what's gonna happen to their kids when they pass away. So I feel like there's the thing is is the group homes. There's not enough group homes and beds to go around. And if we don't fix that issue and put more funding into it, there is going to be a lot of more homeless people dying on the streets because they don't know it and their parents are dead. Like they have no family. We need to, we need to fix this now before it comes way too much of a big of an issue to fix. And really making sure that we're reminding the people who are going to work in those places that these are humans that come with learning histories and trauma and their Mm -hmm. own thoughts and feelings. Because a lot of times, you know, it's, it's just, you're just a checkbox. Oh, okay. Hey, did they go to the hospital this year or this month? No. Okay, good. Do they have any seizures? They've literally never had a seizure. And they're like, oh, okay, good. Anything else? No. Okay, fine. Bye. Wait, what? You don't know anything about them. And and that's where, you know, you, you can start to see as people get older, you know, you have a good sophisticated repertoire. You're able to communicate those things, even though it may be difficult. But then you've mentioned there are people that they don't have that vocal verbal and they don't have a way to say, hey, when I was younger, this traumatic thing happened. And what this staff member just did triggered me. And that's why I reacted. Instead, it comes out as aggression or self-injury or something else. And then unfortunately, a lot of times we want to treat it with, well, we just need to, to get rid of that behavior. We'll teach something else. And we miss the actual We know, want to know why the behavior is happening. I want to know why, why are they hitting? Why are they biting? Like, are they, do they have pain? Do, or is something happening in their world that's upsetting them? I want to know why. And I feel like as RBTs and BCBAs, we've kind of lost our way in a little bit in that because it's called applied behavior analysis for a reason. We're, we're, we're applying our, our knowledge of why behaviors happen and we're figuring out why and what we can do about it to not fix the child, but fix the environment. Is it because the lights are too bright? Like I, I can't do bright lights. I I'm like lights. Like I like a little table lamp that's at my level. And it's nice. And it's not too bright, but overhead lights I just can't do. Um, is it, is it because there's way too many noise going on? Do we need to we need to put them in a sensory room? That's not too loud. Like we need to figure out why is behavior happening, what we can do about it, not just trying to get rid of the behaviors. It's not just about like, oh, we're trying to escape from something like they don't like this demand or this particular work. It really could be my clothes don't feel good today. Mom got a new detergent and it makes me itchy. Um, Hobby Lobby has a smell like the smell of their fake flowers. I can't stand it. Um, I I don't go to Hobby Lobby. Joanne's is better. (laughs) So it's, I think it's things like this that we need to continue to have these discussions about because, you know, you don't realize how ableist our society and culture really is until either you get, you you have a disability um, or you know someone who does like ramps, like accessibility for ramps. So if you have crutches or a wheelchair or a walker, I mean, I've gone to apartment buildings where there's one, just one in a, you know, 400 uh, person apartment building. And I'm going, this, this isn't okay. Um, And so, yeah, I love your call for people to, you know, go to arms, man, look around, see what you can do. Like, is it, you know, some things we can, we can do environmental changes. We can look at, you know, making the lights less bright, um, dimmer switches, things like that. But another case or ear defenders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, easy environmental things that like, in my, in my much younger days, I definitely am horribly guilty of like normalizing and like, oh, well, you know, you don't want to stand out in the crowd. I'm going to be honest. I never once asked my kid if he wanted to stand out in the crowd, if he cared. 
um, that should have been number one for me. And I didn't, I made an Mm -hmm. assumption. Um, So I apologize to that small child um, who's now not a small child, but it's those kind of things where, you know, we have to catch ourselves. Am I putting this impression on them? Like, am I making a judgment call when I can really just ask them? And if I've got a good enough relationship, you're probably going to be honest with me. Alrighty, we appreciate you sticking around this long. Your second keyword is sensory, S-E-N-S-O-R-Y. Don't discount the sensory issues. Sensory. Yeah. So, um, so I know we, we're kind of looking at time and everything, and there's been, yeah. a couple, and I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. But, um, do you have any last minute? recommendations on what, what practitioners, what parents, what BCB, what we can do to do better, like your top three things on, on what we can do better. Take more in consideration of sensory stuff. Um, just be kind, be kind to everyone you meet, no matter what the kindness goes a long way. Um, fight, fight for your clients, fight, just, just fight. We need to fight way more than we are right now. We need to go to our local go- governments and advocate for, for the, especially for the kids who cannot advocate for themselves. That's, that's something that really gets me like these kids, we're, we're trying to give them communication, communication skills, either like a modified sign language or a sign language or AAC device. Like we need to fight for those kids who, are, who have trouble to advocate for themselves. Preach, yes that um actually could you also read your shirt real quick and show people because it makes me really happy it says equality include um kindness inclusion acceptance that's what it says it says fight fight for what matters those are the things that matter guys we got to make sure that we're including everybody we got to make sure that we're not divisive, even amongst ourselves. Like these are tough conversations. It's really hard to hear that we didn't do things perfectly. I mean, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um, it's hard, it's hard to be humble. Um, but this is, this is where we're at and this is what we've got to do. If we want to continue to do better and make progress, um, you know, not just as a field, but like with the humans that we're working with, come on, like these are vulnerable humans and they are entrusting us. So it's a, it's a big load um, and it's something heavy, but you know what? It's, it's beautiful because we do have this ability to talk and listen and hear. So thank you so much, Rebecca. This has been beautiful and wonderful and you're an amazing, amazing human. And I am so excited for your next like year of adventures <laughs> between new jobs yes. and getting married and all that fun yep. stuff. Well, all we're going right. to Disney We're going to Disney World in December. I'm so looking forward to that. Heck yes. Awesome sauce. Cool. Well, all right, friends. I am going to quickly put things into the chat about uh, CEUs. So again, thank you so much for your patience earlier as we dealt with a little bit of internet issues. It's fine. It all worked out. It's great, baby. So you guys were wonderful. Um, Feel free to reach out. Uh, Rebecca, real quick, could you give people, um, if you would like, you know, if they can find you on social media um, or reach out to you that way? Um, It's Rebecca Michelle Henderson. So. Cool. So we will have resources and and everything. You you, um, you tag me. So people should be able to find me. Yeah. I sure did. I'm very excited. I like being able to tag people. It's kind of fun. So, and it's really cool because I get to watch this little network evolve and grow. So I just, I just saw my aunt, my great aunt Leah log off. So she was here for that too. So that's very nice. Yay. That's fun. Awesome. I love when like members come on too. It's always exciting. So you guys are wonderful. Happy Friday, beautiful humans. Like Rebecca said, be kind, be nice to each other, be loving, um, be accepting, you know, don't be a dick. <laughs> so enjoy your Friday, wonderful humans. I love you all, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Yeah. Bye, Kelly. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this adventure of the Atypical Behavior Analyst. Check out the website, atypicalba.com, for more episodes, references, and to purchase CEUs. 
To stay up to date, like and follow us on social media. Just search Atypical Behavior Analyst. If you like the show, please rate and leave us a review. And if you want to support the show but don't need CEUs, you can help by clicking the Buy Us a Coffee link in the show notes. So until next time, listeners, grab your towel, keep exploring, and we'll see you in the fringes. Hello there, loves. Thanks for sticking around. As promised, here is a preview of episode 32, Gravitational Pulls, First Loves and Instructional Design with Anika Costa. If you're a behavior analyst working in schools, you kind of need to educate yourself on what effective teaching should look like. What does an effective classroom look like? What does this environment look like? What are the things that you need to consider? So it needs to go back to that. Just like if you were working with a learner and it was a behavior that you didn't encounter, you would get some consult, right? You figure out, all right, you know, I've never, you know, dealt with this behavior. You know, I have not intervene or treated this behavior before. So let me, let me get some help 